And welcome back to another edition of the Michael Deacon Program, reporting to you all the way from the wastelands of California, deep inside a boiler room. My name, in fact, is Michael. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners out there, thank you for finding us. We hope you enjoy your stay. Is the COVID crisis being exploited to push us into a Orwellian future of mass surveillance, digital IDs, and cashless transactions? We'll find out. Joining me tonight is Mr. James Perloff. James has been a journalist since 1985. He was also a former registered nurse. And of course, many of you out there know him through his work, through his books. He's a very respected author, and he's been heard all around the world. And he's no stranger here, so it's not his first rodeo, boys and girls. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Hello, hello. We become prophets every day here. I hope this message finds you, those who need it. I hope this resonates inside you, down to your bone. If not, just ignore this message. For those who solely listen in on the podcast version of this program, I invite all of you out there to come in and hang out with us. Hang out with me and fellow listeners like yourself. Just a few nights ago, I did upload a free show for you out there. For those who don't have any coin to contribute, go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon and you'll find some free shows there for you. Now, tonight we've got a lot on our plate. James is currently waiting and I will be taking your calls, of course. So here's your chance to let your voice be heard. That number is 760-332-8965. Yes, it's on your screen right there. Call that number in soon. And now for your listening pleasure, let's bring in our guest, Mr. James Perloff. Let's bring him in. Yes, I think he can uh, hear me now. James, how are you? I'm doing good. Are we uh, live streaming now? Yes, sir. Okay, great. We are live and direct right here on YouTube. And of course, we will be heard all around the world. Oh, just like uh, CNN, huh? That's right. And it's kind of weird, actually. Lots of listeners out there in Russia and Germany and Sweden. It's very random, but yes, they are out there, my friend. Oh, great. Okay, well, it's nice to uh, that your show is international. It's pretty wild. So, James, once again, thank you so much for joining me this evening. And mm-hmm. I was just telling everyone that you are a veteran on the program here, so you kind of know how things go. And uh, by the way, before we get right into things... Uh, James, how are things going on over there on your side of heaven? Uh, well, I'm not in heaven at the, at this time, but right. on the earth, uh, well, you know, Massachusetts is still in lockdown. So it's still still pretty much the same. Uh, well, they've eased up a little bit, but, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our governor has a, a, you know, a hair trigger on uh, shutting things down again, it seems. Uh, I'm not uh, confident that things will go well here in Massachusetts. Understood. And how are things with the family? Everyone is COVID-free, I hope. Oh, oh, yeah, there's no problem with that. You know, we get it, but most of the COVID tests that are coming up these days, what they do, talk about COVID cases, they're just talking about people having a PCR test, which are measuring, you know, fragments of DNA that are basically not viable or in any way contagious. Not to say that there aren't some people still getting sick, but right. it's nothing like it was in the very early stages. Oh, yeah. Early on, it was pretty wild. I mean, lots of people remember the videos that were posted on Twitter seeing. Uh, people fall over uh, on their backs and 
It's falling down in the middle of the street while walking. Just yeah, you remember right. that, right? How about yourself? How about yourself, Michael? How about you? You and your your uh, your family members? Actually, everyone's fine out here. No yeah. one, yeah, no one's sick. Everyone has been sort of hating the way things are with the mask and all. I'm I'm sure you can right. relate. Everyone is pretty much tired of it. But I know you had written a piece on your blog the the very last time we talked, and you were stating how you were sort of concerned about the mental health that the lockdown has had on certain people and just in general with things um how they've turned out so far and you know it reminded me because uh, a gentleman a good friend of mine uh well i consider him my best friend i've known this guy all my life james and you know he reached out to me asking me if i was depressed and you know that was the first time he's ever shown any concern and i said no not at all are you depressed and then he started explaining how he's feeling. And I thought, if this guy's feeling that way, I'm sure there's plenty of others out there, James. So it reminded me of that blog post of yours. Yeah, I I, uh, I wrote a post uh, starting in April about uh, the response to COVID. And uh, as time went on, more and more alt-media journalists on their vlogs and blogs uh, started revealing more information um, and of course, uh, new statistics unfolded and we saw that the original modeling was quite wrong. And so I kept updating that post. As I continued to update it, the post was getting pretty long and some people would say, well, um, I want to go back and see your updates. How to know what's new? And I said, well, okay, I'll put the, the new stuff in italics with a date. But I think it made it a little confusing for people reading the post the first time. And finally, when the post got really long, I said, you know what? I gotta, I gotta turn this into a book. Uh, for one thing, uh, People don't like to read a this is this book is over two hundred pages long. It's called COVID nineteen in the agendas to come red pilled. Um people don't want to sit down and read a two hundred page book online for the most part. The other thing too is that I felt it would be good to preserve this information in hard copy. Actually in my book you'll find many um a lot of information that was censored off of YouTube, you know, like Knut Witkowski, the epidemiologist, uh, of excerpts from his interview that was censored on YouTube and doctors Erickson and Masihi from Bakersfield, California, who had, a, you know, over 4 million views or I think it was maybe 5 million on YouTube before YouTube censored these doctors who had tested more than anybody else tested for COVID more than anybody else in their, their region who were saying the lockdown was not necessary. Anybody who was going against the green and against the Bill Gates official story, official proof story was getting censored. So I've taken the, a lot of those. And if I could find a transcript, I'd use it. If there was no transcript, I'd make a transcript myself. Then I take key excerpts. So this book has a lot of material that has been vanished from the internet. Although certainly um, most of them have been backed up on BitChute. Most of the people who made them have taken pains to do that. Right. And the last time you hear, you were here, it was several months ago. And basically tonight we will be picking up where we left off. And one of the things that you did mention was the new book, which you can find now on Amazon. The book is titled COVID-19 and the Agendas to Come, Red Pilled. And I like the title, The Agendas to Come, quite the appropriate title there, James. Yeah, well, you know, I was aware of the fact that if I just called the book COVID-19, right. maybe they'll come up with some new variation called COVID-20 and people think, well, the book's out of date. But I, I added in the agendas to come because we're taking a peek at these indications of what they have in mind for the future, such as the cashless society, the global vaccine, the, the global ID, the contact tracing, things that um, – will be imposed in the new world order that we've warned about for decades. You know, I myself wrote a book back in 1988, The Shadows of Power, um, which uh, became a bestseller, um, largely uh, through the auspices of the John Birch Society. 
which is a uh, writing for at the time in their magazine, The New American. Um, but we've been talking about the New World Order for a long time, and all of a sudden, uh, 2019, things were still pretty quiet, but all of a sudden, in two, 2020, we see this totalitarian state rapidly approaching if we don't resist it strongly enough. Right, right. Now, James, before we really jump into things, I was just thinking, you know, I'm sure there's a few listeners out there who have no idea who you might be, James. I thought we can maybe talk about your background just for a few minutes here before we jump right back on course. Oh, sure. Well, um, I've been had two professions in my life. I'm a registered nurse. I'm still licensed as a registered nurse in Massachusetts. I have been one for 45 years, and I actually retired last summer just before the COVID thing broke out. Um, you're a little older now and, you know, uh, a little harder to keep up with the pace of nursing, which is a, by the way, it's a rough job. Despite those TikTok videos <laughs> you've seen that, that, sure. that's of the nurses dancing, that's the only time I've ever seen nurses with time on their hands. Usually we work our butts off. That's, that's really a fact. But th- those were nurses, I believe, who were probably overhired in over anticipation of the false modeling of COVID. Uh, the other thing is I've been a journalist since 1985 when I started writing for the New American magazine and, um, uh, that's my favorite thing. I always favored writing, but actually nursing was a nice balance for me because, you know, nursing is really hands-on, whereas when you're writing, you're like a hermit behind, you know, behind a computer screen or in the old days behind a typewriter and you're not in contact with people. But nursing requires a lot of interaction. You're talking to patients and families and doctors and, uh, you're doing a lot of physical work. Uh, you're on your feet a lot. And so that was kind of a nice balance for me. Um, to the to the um, rather secluded uh, life of being a writer, so I've done both of those things wow. uh, for the past past uh, four and a half decades. So you got all, you got out right on time then. Yeah, I would say so because uh, the last place I worked, the things are pretty tough. They said they have to wear they don't have gowns, so they say that they have to wear trash bags every time they go into another patient's room. You know? Oh my god, really? Um, just re- you know. Of course, these are, most of the restrictions are absurd. Not that you don't have to protect uh, someone who's immunocompromised or elderly or vulnerable, but um, yeah, the work has gotten a lot harder for every everybody, you know. And I, I you know, I go just going to retail stores, and they they have to reduce their staffing. They can't let a full complement of uh, customers in, and I just hear a lot of people suffering um, uh, under the unnecessary mandates that have been imposed. Especially as the death rates have been plummeting across the country, they could go back up again. We can talk about that. There's reasons to suspect that they will. But right now, we're in a, a tremendous um, um, retreat from the the uh, type of situation we were uh, uh, with with Wuhan and the initial outbreak uh, in, in, in uh, the West. Understood. And by the way, you seem to have a very normal upbringing. Nothing wild happened to you, as far as I know, uh, James. I'm just curious, what led you to the medical field in general? Well, it was very simple. I I started out as a Col- at Colby College up in Maine as an English major, but I realized that um, I didn't have enough writing ability at the time to become a um, a, a writer. I'd uh, written a couple of novels that failed in my teen years, mm. and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do with an English degree. I, I started out as an English right. major, and then the okay. – uh, the brother of the professor who was the head of our dorm, uh, the guy who oversaw our dorm, came and he said that he was in the nursing field. He said there was a huge demand for, for men in nursing. It was kind of the opposite um, of uh, other fields where minorities and women were now being um, – uh, industries were pressured to hire them. I thought, oh, a field, a field where men 
are in demand. That sounds good. Sure. I've seen um, nurses as doing a vo- doing volunteer work in, in, in high school in action, and I thought, you know, this is something I could do. So I actually transferred to the Boston University School of Nursing. That no longer exists. It closed in 1988. But when I was there, we had a bustling school with over 600 nursing students. So, yeah, that, that's kind of got in, in, involved in it. I felt that it was a profession that um, could secure me a living and hope that I would find find uh, a time that I might become a tour and become a writer, which which took a few more years after that, took the mid, mid-1980s before that happened. Nice. Okay. And I'm just curious, James, since, you know, I used that photograph of you when you were very young and you looked, you look like Jim Morrison. Now I'm wondering when you first got into the, the compliment. <laughs> yes, sir. When you first got into the, uh, the work there in the field, were you still rocking the, uh, the facial hair, the sideburns? Uh, well, th- you know, in the nursing, you had to be pretty, um, they made you shave strict. Okay. And, uh, I had one, uh, nursing supervisor told me that it was unacceptable for me to wear black shoes. She insisted I wear, uh, white shoes. And so I, I got white shoes and she said, well, that's nice. We can have white socks to go with them. You know, nurses are pretty strict here you know, that the female nurses, uh, had to wear hats back in the day. We're talking about the 1970s. Right. Um, and so uh, things were stricter than nurses got kind of lax and they no longer had to wear the white uniforms anymore. But I actually kind of liked the, the discipline of the old days. I felt that it, it was a better reflection on nurses when they were more uniformed up, uh, representing, um, the profession. Um, I, I thought when they started to dress very casually, it, it maybe represented more of a casual attitude, but not everybody would agree with that. Some people felt that it was more, you know, patient friendly to dress casually. Understood. And James, you are married, correct? Oh, yeah, I'm married. Yeah. Did you meet your wife at the uh, hospital there? Oh, no, no. My wife is from overseas. Oh, okay. Um, she's from, she is uh, originally from Taiwan. Oh, that's right. And we did talk about that. That's right. And is her family okay out there with, you know, the outbreak? Oh, yeah. Taiwan's no problem. The last time I checked uh, with the population of 24 million, they've had seven deaths from COVID. And they're not in lockdown, by the way. They're at the schools, the businesses, and uh, the churches are all open in Taiwan. No lockdown, no problem. <laughs> mm, okay. Very interesting. Now, James, I don't know about you, but I see so many similarities between COVID and 9-11. I saw, yeah, yeah, I see COVID very much like I see 9-11. The 9-11 masquerade, both strangely enough, had government intel specifically telling them about the danger, the dangers. Yet in both instances, the American government sort of allowed it to happen. Would you say that's fair or do you think that's unfair to say? Oh no, absolutely fair. In fact, uh, what you're agreeing, you're agreeing with a, a Russian intelligence officer who I quote in my book. His name is Katchov. Right. And he specifically compares the COVID, which he says it's not a pandemic at all. And he compares it to 9-11. He says it's an exercise of control and population reduction. And it's kind of humorous at the end. Uh, they ask him what we should do about this. And he says, well, before you get rid of the, you know, the, uh, the germ-like parasites, you better get rid of the parasites, the political parasites that rule <laughs> over you. I thought that was well said. Um, but um, yeah, 9-11 was uh, a measure that uh, stripped us of many civil liberties, and we're seeing the exact same happening with COVID. So the comparison is quite apt. Right. And here we are in 2020, Mr. Perloff, and many Americans out there have a very hard time still even thinking, even slightly, that the government could have ever lied to them. You know, uh, this has been going on throughout history. You know, I uh, one of the first articles I wrote for the New America was in 1986 on Pearl Harbor. Uh, I had read John Tolan's book called Infamy, and uh, it was amazing 
how back at the time of the Pearl, uh, Pearl, the Pearl Harbor attack, I've written on this extensively. I've got a, a long blog post on it, and as a chapter in my book, 13 Pieces of the Jigsaw. Um, Love I wrote that book, two by cover the way. stories for the, the New American on, on Pearl Harbor on how our government not only provoked that attack, we not only put the fleet in Pearl Harbor, um, President Roosevelt did that over all military advice, over against all naval advice, but we completely knew about the attack before it happened. Three recorded messages. Now, what I want to point out to you in comparison to 9-11 sure. is that there were whistleblowers at that time. For, uh, for example, Captain Lawrence Safford was our top cryptanalyst. In a, um, he's awarded the Legion of Merit for his work in cryptan, uh, cryptography um, in the Navy Department. He spent years of his life after Pearl Harbor trying to tell people that our government knew. And he saw the documentation. But um, people would always say, Oh, the government would never do that to right. us. It's the same thing people said after 9-11. But, you know, the government has done that to us again and again. They did it with the Lusitania. They did it with the sinking of the Maine. They did it, um, um, oh, you go back to 1914 when we invaded Mexico on a phony pretext. And uh, Smedley Butler, in it, uh, you know, who, who wrote Wars of Racket, wrote about that. Uh, we went into uh, uh, Vietnam on the pretext of Tonkin Gulf, which was an attack that never happened. 58,000 American soldiers died. We, we invaded Iraq in uh, 1991 on a fake baby incubator story. We invaded Iraq again in 2003 on a fake story about weapons of mass destruction. Right. We'd lie to over and over. Yes, our government would do that to us, and they've done it to us to the point that, uh, you know, there's an old saying, uh, fool me once, shame on me, <laughs> yes. fool me twice. Uh, I'm sorry, fool me. For me, uh, once shame on you. For me, twice shame on me. Well, they fooled us many, many times because we haven't learned from history. Um, and uh, COVID, it, it's uh, it's part of that paradigm driving us uh, to, to an unfortunate end if the, the bad guys get their way. But wh- why do you think people are so inclined to believe that? What, why is Listen. that? They're stuck in the matrix. And that's all they've known their life. You know, I, I know people who within their professions are very smart. But when you talk to them about this, these things, they roll their eyes because as far as their geopolitical information, they've gotten it from mainstream media all their lives. They've never stepped outside that box. They've never stepped outside the matrix. And you try to introduce it. That's why in my books, I try to follow the example of Gary Allen. One thing that Gary Allen wrote, Nanda Color Conspiracy, which is the book that woke me up in 1978. In that book, I was very impressed by the fact that he drew a lot of information from a lot of sources. He didn't just rely on um, a few sources, but but many. And I've tried to follow that example in my current book, COVID-19 uh, uh, and the agendas that come red-pilled, I draw on many sources and everything is documented. I've got almost 300 endnotes in this book. So if somebody's uh, skeptic says, well, where did that information come from? Isn't that fake news? I, I, the information is right there. They can look it up. They've got the, they got the author, the, the name of the article, the website, the date, and, and the link. It's right there for people to see. But I always feel that's very important to have a uh, a bulk of information. Um, and um, uh, one of my books is called 13 Pieces of the Jigsaw. I compare this to the jigsaw, to a jigsaw puzzle, because if you talk to a person about a single issue like 9-11, they'll give you that standard response. Well, the government would never do that to us, and they did, the media would tell us. Right. Well, it's important to show people the entire picture. So in my books, uh, I've tried to show people the big picture. I've tried to show them a lot of information. Uh, I've tried to show them uh, how the media is controlled, how the government is controlled, um, how false flags have been a pattern throughout history. Um, because if you show just one piece of a jigsaw puzzle, it's just like a piece of color. But if you put the whole jigsaw puzzle together, now it forms a recognizable picture. 
And that's what I try to do in my writing. And that's what I've tried to do uh, specifically with, with the, the COVID-19 issue in my, my newest book. Yes. All throughout history, if you look back through time, you'll see that there is a pattern in this. You'll see that oh, there is a well, clear yeah. pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A pattern that's uh, been driving us towards, uh, you know, a Luciferian state. We've, we've seen it uh, domestically. You know, um, all these new normals, you know, like suddenly gay marriage was a new normal and transgenderism was a new normal. And now they've got us having masks and social distance as a new normal. And this is top down stuff. I mean, it's not, you know, grassroots that brought trans- transgenderism around. You have to, to, to change a society it has to be from the top down. You know, it's the powers that be. And, you know, it's interesting throughout history, there have been people who have been pointing this out. They didn't get a lot of press because the mainstream media has always been well controlled. And, and, you know, I like to refer to Ferdinand Lundberg, who wrote a book in 1937 called America's 60 Families. And he proved in that book that 60 families basically owned America in the sense not they didn't own every mom and pop store, but they owned all the major industries and they owned all the major newspapers and radio stations. And he, he, this was the conspiracy theory on the part of Lundberg. He documented it. He had the financial records. He showed it was true. And the situation has only gotten uh, much worse. And how many years has it been now? Uh, 83 years since he wrote that book. Uh, but all throughout history, I found that in every chapter of history, whether it's Pearl Harbor, the sinking of the Maine, the Lusitania, there were always people that spoke out the truth. There's always been truth tellers. And so uh, I, I quote those truth tellers in my book. Um, those people who were brave enough to stand up uh, against the tide of, of the controlled media. Right. I'm with you on that one. And of course, we've had all sorts of false flag conspiracies that include, you know, Pearl Harbor, the Boston Marathon, Sandy Hook, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City bombing, uh, mm-hmm. to name another. And uh, I'm just go- going back to 9-11 really quickly. The Bush administration is blamed for either knowing that these attacks were going to happen and, of course, just, you know, turned a blind eye. Or is there another reason? Well, you know, actually, uh, before I wrote this book on COVID, I was in the middle of a very, very long and detailed book on 9-11. And one of the frustrations I've had with 9-11 is the many competing theories about what happened to the Twin Towers, what happened to the planes. And I've written some blog posts on 9-11, but um, although we, we uh, I interviewed some really great people, pilots and people with a lot of knowledge in, in, in those articles, I... Um, I regret that I, I, I fell too much in the area of speculation myself, and I realized I need to step back in writing this book and yeah, make you sure were, that I, yeah, you I'm were, sorry, go, yeah, go just, ahead. just to add context to that, you were spending a great amount of time working on this 9-11 book before the uh, outbreak, if I recall. Yeah, and, uh, the reason I stopped writing the book in 9-11, I said, you know, this COVID is taking precedent over 9-11 at this point. There, I've never seen such a, strong drive to establish the new world order so fast as with COVID. So we need to respond. So when, when um, the White House established Operation Warp Speed to get a global vaccine out, I said, I've got to write a book at Warp Speed. So truthfully, I worked on this book morning, noon, and night. Um, if I, if I woke up at 5.30 in the morning, I started working on it because, you know, a book is a big project. You've, it's, you've got to organize it. You've got to write it. You've got to proofread it. I added an index to this. You've got to make sure your footnotes are right. If you change a footnote, you got to change all the numbers that come after that footnote. You got to make sure it's right. What a headache. A, there's a lot of little detail work in it. Um, so I, I really, um, um, went at this full blast, but yeah, the, the 9-11 book, I'd been working on that for a year. 
um, and uh, had recognized mistakes I'd made. Was in contact with a lot of experts, some some people behind the, uh, behind the scenes researchers. I had the pleasure of reading, reaching, uh, meeting uh, Richard Gage at the uh, Red Pill Expo in Hartford. We had a nice conversation uh, last year um, at the Red Pill Expo. Uh, really uh, diligently trying to uh, reconstruct 9/11 just as it happened, but. Uh, again, uh, COVID burst on the scene and it really took precedence. That's right. It came like a thief in the night, as they say. Mm. And uh, luckily, James, I actually quit my job two weeks before the um, pandemic first uh, took place. Oh, I, I'm not even sure what that job is. Perhaps you told me before. Um, well, I was doing uh, some security work, but um, I figured, you know, I'm going to get sick out here, whether uh, COVID or the flu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm someone who doesn't really like standing in line, being around many people. I don't really like getting sick. I, I don't care what the sickness is. I don't know anyone in the right mind who says, yeah, I, I don't mind getting a flu. No big deal. Oh, no, I don't I don't know a single person who, who enjoys getting sick. Um, I don't know anyone well, either. One of, the, one of the ironies of vaccines is that we're actually injecting ourselves with the sickness. We're injecting ourselves with, if, if they give you... Um, uh, you know, a flu shot, they're injecting you with flu. It's simply been attenuated. Um, this goes back in time. This is a very dangerous thing to inject uh, a, uh, a virus or multiple uh, viruses as in, uh, you know, some of the shots they're giving to children these days, like the MMR vaccine or the DPT shot, they give you three at once. Um, something your immune system is not designed to handle and uh, bypassing your normal immune response by injecting it under the skin. It's, it's craziness. And, you know, I was vaccine injured as a child myself. Um, one of the, it was a long time before I woke up to that. Um, I had severe problems when I was an infant and, and, and years after that. But it, uh, eventually I woke up to the fact that, uh, this was, these were vaccine reactions and not some sort of weird, weird, uh, childhood if uh, you would have, if you would have stayed as a nurse i'm sure you would have been uh, required to take a vaccine i'm sure i'm not sure on uh, my you don't think company, so but but uh, you know they were not making uh it mandatory for us to take a vaccine and only recommend it this is as of last year although in the patient population i was particular population i was working with at that time last year it was required that the patients take it now this may have changed since um on my, my, my last job, uh, right. venues since I was there, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, people that work in the hospital, you know, first responders, law enforcement, I'm thinking all of these folks will definitely be required to mm-hmm. be vaccinated for sure. I mean, everyone eventually they're going to want all of us to be vaccinated. I mean, that's going to be our global idea as you talk about. Yeah. It's, it's really a very dangerous scenario because they're working on vaccines that have never been used on humans before. We're talking about companies like Inovio and Moderna that are developing what's called DNA and messenger RNA vaccines that actually will, um, it may seem slight, but they're changing your genetic makeup. They're giving new instructions to your genetic code. In fact, uh, Tal Zaks, who is the chief medical officer of Moderna in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, actually did a TED talk and he said, what we're doing is hacking the software of life. In other words, by software it means the DNA. We're going to hack into your software. God didn't make it right. He didn't mm. use these words, but that's his implication is God didn't make your DNA right. So we're going to change it so that you now can produce antibodies to fight COVID. This is really dangerous stuff. They're skipping animal trials. They're making it at a warp speed. And you have a chapter in my book it's called Eight Reasons Why We Don't Need a COVID Vaccine. And that's not including hydroxychloroquine, which I have another chapter on. And that's in the new uh, book, uh, correct? Hmm? Oh, the new one. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, 
oh, well, one of the reasons we don't need a COVID vaccine is, you know, the CDC has been relying on inflated death stats. But even as far back as May 22nd, the CDC acknowledged that the death rate from COVID in America is only 0.26%. Now, that means that 99.74%, even accepting that that's a low rate, actually, that the CDC is giving you because they use very inflated death rates, which we can get into. But but without a vaccine, 99.74% of all people, according to the CDC itself, survive COVID. So why in the world should we have a mandatory vaccine at warp speed? And we've never had a DNA, RNA vaccine in history. No, none has ever worked before. This is craziness. This is kind of the, the craziness and, and the departure from logic that we're seeing with our government and with the media uh, modules who support this. It sounds like man is playing God again. That's exactly what they're doing. Um, in fact, now this is fairly heady, and I don't get into this in my book because I'm just trying to stick to the current science. But if you go back in time, um, biblically, to uh, the days of the flood, um, you know, I, I used to think that the flood of Noah was just a chi- uh, child's fairy tale you know, for Sunday school. But then I wrote in 1999, um, I published a, a book called Tornado in a Junkyard. Uh, the relentless myth of Darwinism. And I, I looked at all the physical evidence uh, against Darwin's theory. It was amazing. And I found that there really was a flood on the earth. You know, 75% of the earth's rock is sedimentary, meaning it's chiefly deposited by water. And we've got hundreds of billions of fossils on the earth. And why is that? You know, to, for most animals, when they die, will decay rapidly or be eaten by predators. But you've got hundreds of billions of fossils, which means they were covered by sediment rapidly. This is very strong physical evidence for um, the flood of Noah, which, by the way, there are more than 200 cultures which have a legend of the flood. And uh, uh, But if you go to the reasons for the flood, if you look at the book of Genesis in, in, in the Bible, chapter 6, it talks about giants in the earth and how there was a union between the sons of God, which means angels, and the sons of men. There was transhumanism taking place. And if you go to the extra biblical books, and I know a lot of Christians don't like to do that, but these are still important historical documents. I'm talking about the book of Enoch, which is quoted in the Bible, and the books of Jubilees and Jasher, which are referenced in the Bible. They talk about the immense transhumanism. In fact, um, since a lot of people probably haven't heard this, um, let me just quote from those from those books. Yeah, go ahead. Um, um, okay, but the book of Jasher, chapter 4, verse 18, the sons of men in those days took from the cattle of the earth, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, and taught the mixture of animals of one species with the other in order therewith to provoke the Lord. And God saw that the whole earth in there was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon earth, all men and all animals. And the book of Jubilees says, quote, All flesh corrupted its ways alike, men and cattle and beasts and birds and everything that walketh on the earth, all of them corrupted their ways and their orders, end quote. Well, um, so, so God brought a flood on the earth, not because it just gives us big, big, angry individual. God brought the flood on the earth because his own creation had been corrupted. Um, there was transhumanism taking place. There was transspeciesism, to coin right. a phrase. Um, and uh, God basically had to reboot the planet um, to bring back the creation the way he made it. And we're seeing that right now. There's so many articles. I, I quote a number of them. But you know, in the mainstream media about how uh, scientists are taking human genes and mixing them with pig genes. Sure. And they're yeah. taking uh, uh, firefly genes and mixing them with cats to make the cats glow. And other things All like kinds this, of crazy, stuff. crazy stuff. You oh, know? Yeah. And uh, it's the same thing that was happening before the flood, which is a warning that we might be facing some sort of um, 
disaster uh, again in the future if we we don't change our ways. But that's what's happening. Just to bring us back to COVID, that's what's happening with these mRNA and DNA vaccines. They're actually going to alter your 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 DNA, your genetic makeup, and they're going to transhumanize you. I've already seen transgenderism as a step to- stepping stone towards this. You know, uh, you know, altering the sexes, but now they want to alter people themselves. And by the way. Um, uh, it's not going to stop there because um, if you study coronaviruses, you'll see that they mutate. They mutate quickly. They're one of the common causes of the common cold. And one reason we'd never get immune to the common cold is that the virus is the it's cause of mutating. Yeah, so it's always so, changing. So, yeah. So next year, coronavirus COVID-19 could mutate into something new. Right. And then they'll say, well, that's great that you got a, a, a DNA vaccine last year. But now the the, 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 the virus mutated. You got to get another one. You got to get another, another one. And another one, and they keep changing your DNA until perhaps you're no longer uh, recognizable as a human. That's this right. This brings us very close to the mark of the beast. You need the uh, uh, you need the Bill Gates vaccine 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, James, you know I'm not really religious at all. I'm sort of an agnostic atheist. Yet I know I know a lot of um, I know plenty of things in the Bible. I know the stories. I've talked to many people about things talk to many pastors, reverends, everything. And I know you are very religious, James, and I've spoke to several people who are ultra-religious, and there's nothing wrong with that. I find it completely fascinating, and especially right now. And all of these folks that I've talked to, they tell me that the signs of the end times are actually here, and and an antichrist-like figure would make a peace deal in Israel. And what did we see in the news recently? Donald Trump did that in Israel. And it says in the Bible, soon after the destruction, soon after destruction will follow. And that's what they've been telling me. According to those folks, they tell me that this is lining up with Revelation. Everything is coming together for them. What are your thoughts, James? I think that's absolutely true. I should mention, by the way, I grew up in an agnostic home. Oh, wow. We didn't go to, we didn't go to church. Okay. Uh, we were not churchgoers. Uh, my father was Jewish or something I didn't even know uh, in my youth. He uh, didn't want anything to do with Judaism. Huh. And my mother had been sort of a nominal Christian in youth, but her father was a Freemason. So it's kind of a mixture of Judaism and Freemasonry in my family. But we had no uh, religious belief. God was not part of our home. And uh, in the early 70s until the early 80s, I got into a New Age cult. Oh, my uh, goodness. Which was very, very anti-Christian. And, um, that I didn't know. Uh, hmm? I said that I didn't know, James. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't come from a Christian background at all. Wow. I finally got drawn to Christ, um, in the early 80s. Um, I was actually reading a very non biblical book, um, called The Aquarian Gospel of Jesus Christ. I was in a new age movement, the new age movement at that time. And it was a new age outlook on Jesus, which said that, you know, he just went to the East and learned all his, his, um, his tricks, as they would call it, from holy men of the East. Ah, yes. But um, eventually I was drawn to Christianity and I went through some phases of that. I'm now an uh, Eastern Orthodox Christian because I found that here in the West, we actually, uh, I don't mean to offend my, my, my Christian brothers here in, in the West. but yes, no offense to um, them. It, there was a split between the East and the West that took place in 1054 AD, just about a thousand, a little more than a thousand years after the crucifixion of Christ, between the East and the West. Now the West... Uh, became strictly under the control of the Vatican and the Vatican. I think most Catholics would today. Yeah. Um, I think would acknowledge yeah. that the, the Vatican, mm-hmm. Vatican II and other things has gone through degradations. And, uh, it's a fallen, back to, it's a fallen religion. Let's be honest. 
in 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 certainly in many ways. Um, yeah. But uh, some of the um, some of the uh, changes within the Catholic Church when it's uh, had the East West split um, led, to, of course, to Martin Luther and the Reformation. But then the the Protestant Church, for whatever good reasons Martin Luther may have had for doing what he did, became splintered into a thousand pieces. This is exactly what the devil wants. He wants he has a divide and conquer strategy. But I found that the East, the Eastern Orthodox, despite the the onslaught of the Turks in Constantinople in 1453, despite the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, the Eastern Orthodox had maintained the faith uh, very close to what it was originally. They still, in fact, if you go to an Orthodox church, they still follow the same form of worship they had in the fourth century AD when Constantine first legalized it. And I said, you know, that's for me. I want to, you know, I want to worship the way the early Christians did. I don't want a, a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff, which is, which as I found right. what's happening here in, in the Western denominations, the multiple Western denominations. So I became Eastern Orthodox in 2017. Although I have to say that within branches of Orthodoxy, there's compromise too. Um, some of the churches are, are, are disobeying the government mandates for masks and social distancing. Others are unfortunately, uh, falling in line, uh, under the illusion that the, the U.S. government or other national governments are the protector or guarding the church. That was true at one time. That was true in the days of Constantine. It was true in the days of Constantinople. It's true under the czars. But today we have very secular and for the most part anti-Christian governments, which are, um, a threat to the church. And unfortunately, many of my fellow uh, Christians, whether Orthodox or in other branches of of, um, of Christianity, I do look on other, certainly because I've become Orthodox, I don't look down on people who are not Orthodox. I was not Orthodox myself for over 30 years attending evangelical churches. So I know um, what their status is. And, and I know sure. that God judges the heart, judge, God judges the heart, not your denomination. Uh, but, um, I kind of forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> Don't that's worry. Not, that's a little bit. Yeah, I just want to let people know basically I'll, I'll that I, I myself started out yes. as an atheist agnostic, uh, someone who ridiculed Christianity, then got into the New Age movement for a full decade before I came to Christ and sort of gradually matured in my views. I started to look at the fallacies of Christian Zionism and some of the other things that were going on in the, in, in, in the Western churches. So you um, were like a militant atheist at one time. Uh, very much so. I, I would definitely, uh, oh, me, I had roommates, me and they and me, we'd make really dirty jokes about God and Jesus Christ. Oh, right? no. Really blasphemous stuff. <laughs> I mean, this going back to the, we're talking about the mid 1970s here. Good uh, times. You know. Well, that, that's okay. I mean, again, uh, I'm not religious at all, but again, I, I know many people who are. I know all the books out there, the ones that weren't included in the main Bible, the James version, the King James version of the Bible. I mean, I know all sorts of wacky stuff. The, well, let's not get into that, but going back to religion, and I know that has always been under attack. I myself, like I said, am non-religious. I don't believe in any deity, but I respect everyone's religion. People are going to do whatever they want, and they sure as hell are going to believe whatever they want. But I'm someone who's going to defend your right to worship whatever God you choose to uh, believe in, because I'm quite considerate. And I believe in freedom, not just for me, but for all of you out there. Well, you're doing a lot more than uh, than uh, a lot of our uh, our uh, Democrat leaders here in uh, the United States who would love to stomp out religion altogether. It's been getting stomped on for a long time. You know, um, um, my personal observation, and this is from personal experience sure. as well as studying history was America had a golden age. It was from uh, 53 to 63. We had 
no wars between basically between Viet- between Korea and Vietnam. The nation was prospering. Uh, we were unified as a country. I mean, sure, the Democrats would argue the Republicans, but uh, it was no big deal. Um, but uh, we were doing really well. We were united as a nation. Um, things were good. Uh, and they were good for everyone, for sure. I mean, I, I've talked to black people and say, well, that was a bad era for, you know, discrimination against blacks. I mean, it wasn't good for everyone. But basically, America as a whole was in a golden era. And then in 1963, some things happened. One was that the Supreme Court, which had five out of nine Freemasons uh, on, on board. So they had a, the Freemasons were part of the New World Order, had controlled the Supreme Court, and they outlawed school prayer and the reading of the Bible in 1962 and 63. And according to Father Malachi Martin, oh my. The, the Vatican enthroned Lucifer, actually enthroned him in July 17th, 1963. And then in, in November of 1963, I started to see things happen around me. My classmates began to act demonically, guys who I'd grown up with in elementary school who'd been, you know, really good kids. And of course, in November the 22nd, um, President Kennedy was assassinated, and um, all of a sudden the Beatles came on board early 64, and Tonkin Gold came on board, and the Vietnam War. Bigger than Jesus and, Christ, they said. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, John Lennon said. And yeah. so uh, between 63 and 69, we actually transformed from what I call the Leva de Viva culture to a Woodstock culture. The whole country changed in a, in a span of six years. Yeah, it the was sexual a, it was, revolution. It was really amazing. Right. Yeah, and it was satanic. And uh, the culture was being driven by the music and by the TV, which they finally, you know, once they had uh, 63, we had 91% of all homes had TVs. They were waiting for that. They were waiting for the point that they had the TVs in all the homes mm. so that then they could really start to propagandize. The and that's when control. they took off Father Knows Best and they took off Leave it to Beaver. And all of a sudden, they started introducing a new new social ideas on TV as well as in the music. And they really, they success in, in Hollywood, of course, and the, the movies. And so they successfully transformed the society into what we see uh, today. today. Where it's yeah. really, I, I consider this a Luciferian culture at this point. It's not a uh, we have a lot of good Christians as a country, but I wouldn't say Christians are running at this point. But I sort of gotten off the track. That's okay, but even but, but but even I can. That's okay though. You're you're not wrong though with, with what you're saying. Uh, even as someone who's not religious, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm right there with you. Well, you know, um, it, just a one one um, marker of that. Um, 60, I was talking about 63. That was a year things really changed dramatically. And 1963. Starting that year, SAT scores started to drop. You know what? They dropped every single year until 1981, 18 straight years. And that's an indicator that something wrong was happening in America. And I, I think happened. they probably yeah. uh, bumped up a little bit in 1981 because Ronald Reagan was president. Not that I, I'm a Reagan, big, big Reagan fan, but he sort of kind of restored Restoring, re- restoring pride in America, and people started to feel about pr- some pride to meet Americans again, and a little bit of um, self-respect came back uh, during the 80s, and I think that's why the SAT, one reason why the SAT stores started to, to bump up. Although they also say that you know they dumbed them down a little bit to the test, but but uh, but but yeah, there are a lot of lot a lot of markers that you can clearly see, and even um, well, Anton Lavey. The, uh, the founder of the Church of Satan said it was the TVs that did it. The, the, the TVs became the new altar. The, 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 uh, the TV, the, the rabbit ears on the TV set replaced the altar of the churches and that people became, uh, they boiled the frog and the, uh, people, the culture was changed without people even knowing it happened. So it's true. Um, it's true. Yeah, He's yeah, not wrong. 
uh, I've got an article uh, on my website, jamesperls.com, called uh, Why There Was a Golden Age of Television. They were, again, they were waiting for the TVs to get in virtually every home, and then they started to change the content of the TV. That's also a chapter in my book, 13 Pieces of the Jigsaw. But, uh, yeah, yeah, what we're looking at with COVID is sort of um, the uh, sort of an end game uh, where they're starting to bring to fruition the totalitarian satanic state that they've been aiming at filled with, with uh, the, you know, 5G control grid and a police state and population reduction, all the things that they've been boasting of for, for decades are now seemingly coming to fruition. This is why I had to write the book, uh, COVID-19 and the Agendas to Come. Right? That's right. And you can find that at Amazon.com. And of course, since the last time we spoke, James, has your position uh, position on a covid at all altered. I was gonna, I was gonna burp there. My bad. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I think that uh, if anything, I've just it's it's sort of consolidated. Uh, the views have kind of consolidated. We see them uh, 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 getting harder. And you, you've probably seen the videos out of Melbourne, Australia, where, they see, where Australians are saying that they're doing a beta test in Melbourne, where. Uh, you know, they're coming to people's homes and uh, there was a video of a woman who was being choked by uh, oh, wow. a cop for not wearing a mask. And another woman who was pregnant, who the cops came to her home, they handcuffed her and arrested her. She was pregnant. They arrested her for posting something on Facebook that was against the lockdown. Uh, it's severe. And they say that the uh, premier of uh, Victoria, which is the state that Melbourne is in, down in Australia, he's gone to, I, I, I've heard these actually gone into hiding because there's death threats against them. And when, the way one Australian explained it is it's, it, there's a mentality that if you're going to kill me, I'm going to, uh, on the way out, I'm going to take you with me. <laughs> and so they're, they're, uh, I think they're testing it down there to see just how, 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 how far they can push the people. But a you've seen it in America, the violation of our civil liberties. I mean, uh, I give examples in my book, like the woman in, in Brooklyn, uh, a mother with a, with a toddler who was, thrown on the floor by several cops in a Brooklyn uh, subway station, not because he wasn't wearing a mask, because he didn't have it on right. And uh, people are being arrested for going to church. Um, uh, people are encouraged to snitch on their neighbors. And even as the death rates go on, and, and this is true in America and it's true in foreign countries, um, Sorry, my, my screen, my computer screen went blank for a minute just because I probably haven't touched any key for a while. That's and right. now we're back. Okay. Um, we're, we're seeing just an oppression of civil liberties uh, to an extent we've never seen before, certainly not justified by uh, the, the uh, COVID uh, death rate at this point. You know, uh, just uh, within the last uh, week or so, Ireland's uh, official government numbers have revealed that in Ireland, the chances of dying from COVID is 0.002%. And in uh England, the Sun, which is one of their major newspapers, September the second issue, issue of the Sun said the chances of dying in COVID right now of COVID right now in, in Britain are, are one in two million. Uh, also, in the last week, uh, one thousand three hundred doctors and healthcare professionals in in Belgium uh, signed an open letter saying that the, the the COVID is over and we need to end the lockdown immediately. Um, 1,500 pediatricians wrote to Boris Johnson in England saying end the lockdown. The damage is, is, uh, is going to be life threatening to our young people from having, from the denial of, of being schooled. Um, uh, we saw 2 million people on the street in Germany protesting the lockdown. I wish we were getting more people on the street in America. They are taking the streets though. Uh, but all of this has to be qualified by one remark, which is that I believe that when Bill Gates uh, with a smirk on his face talks about 
pandemic two coming. Oh my! He talks about how the numbers are going to resurge, the death numbers are going to surge back up in October and November, and how he says that will get their attention. Uh, I'm I recall. concerned that they're going to bring on something new and that they're going to claim that we were making false statements about these death numbers being low. But the death numbers are quite low right now. They've gone way down. Ron Paul wrote uh, on his Liberty Report um, in July, said that the death rates are down 90%. He said, why aren't the media celebrating? Instead, they're talking about the um, COVID cases, by which they simply mean t- people testing positive. For who, for the most part, are not only not dying but have no symptoms. So we're talking about the state right now as we as, as we uh, live stream this podcast. The death rate is very low worldwide. Uh, Sweden has plummeted. England has plummeted. There's no justification for lockdowns at this point. We should be getting back to normal. But I am concerned that they're going to release something new, either a new bioweapon or some kind of type of food poisoning, or uh, they're going to turn on 5G full force because, you know, uh, the COVID uh Despite the economic distresses of the COVID, nothing has slowed down the deployment of 5G, which we already know that 4G is caused. Peer-reviewed scientific studies have shown that 4G causes uh, cancer, heart irregularities, DNA damage, lowered sperm counts, and all these many other problems we're seeing around the world. And um, uh, if you've seen that video where Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut interviewed representatives of the telecom industry, and he asked them, is there any safety testing ever been done on 5G? And finally, with smirks on their faces, they admitted that no test safety testing has ever been done on 5G. I'm really concerned that something drastic is going to happen into America. You know, if you listen to somebody like Deborah Tavares, she <laughs> had a pretty bleak picture. She talks yes. about, you know, uh, not only the fires that are taking place, but the, uh, you know, the possibility of blackouts. Uh, That's a possibility. A, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, of a real disaster, uh, you know, coming upon America uh, in, in the coming months, you know, this coming winter. I, I pray to God that that is not the situation that we face. Um, but um, I do feel that uh, we're doing the right thing in, in waking people up as much as we can. Uh, I'm trying to do so with as much as credibility as possible. That's why I always end note and source everything I say in my book. So people will uh, see where it came from and they can check the sources themselves. Um, because a lot of people are still blue pilled, they're still in the matrix, they're still asleep. They think everything's going to be fine. That by next year we'll just be going back to having the American dream, and it'll, the, all the, these bad things will be over. I don't think that's what the power. They were sold the dream. That's right. Uh, I'm so glad yeah. you said that. Yes, when you sell the dream, it makes the, it makes a huge difference. And the American people, they've been MK Ultraed by the television screen. Right. It happened it's early on. Way said. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. Uh, no so, doubt. And by uh, the yeah, way, hold yeah. on there. Hold on there, James. Let me let me stop you for a moment. Uh, you oh, mentioned you mentioned Ron Paul. And are you aware that he suffered a stroke? Um, you know, I saw that he was in the hospital. He was giving everyone a thumbs up. I didn't know what the condition was. I didn't really realize it was a stroke. Thank you for letting me know he, that. By the way, he's 85 years old, just in case anybody didn't know. And the man suffered a stroke during a live stream, by the way, James. Yeah, that does uh, raise the eyebrows a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I, you, you always wonder when you see good people go down, if something was inflicted on them or it just something that happened. It could be that the stress of talking during the, the, the his own podcast um, helped bring on something. I have no idea, though. I I, I shouldn't speculate. Uh, but I'm glad that he, he is uh, giving he's, thumbs yeah, up and smiling mm-hmm. in, that, in the hospital bed because he's one of my favorite people. Yeah, he's doing fine, he said. But my God, he actually suffered a stroke while on live on the live stream, and I actually have audio of that. Let's play that now. 
Okay. Is it has to be liquidated. We have to get rid of that. That's a burden. We can barely wear this. We can't buy it. Is Dr. Paul? Yeah, this this guy's just confused. Poor guy. He's wondering what the hell just happened to Ron Paul there. It has to be liquidated. We have to get rid of that. That's a burden. We can barely wear this. We can't buy it. Oh, my. Yeah, that's terrible for it to, for it to have actually been recorded live. But of course, they ended the stream right away, and um, fortunately, Ron Paul's okay. Yes, uh, you know uh, that's actually very characteristic of a stroke. You lose uh, your speech, um, hopefully just temporarily. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I've not been following the, the Ron Paul. Uh, what's been going on with him, but um, strokes can be temporary if they, especially if the circulation that's been lost is, is rebuilt by the body and the body has a lot of um, recovery mechanisms um, and strokes as you probably know have varying degrees of, of severity um, uh, I, I want to just uh, give a hats off to Ron Paul not only for what he's done all his life in fighting the Fed and fighting foreign wars but the fact that even in the midst of a stroke, he was still trying to get his message across. That's he was. came across it very clear. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. Man, he went, he just kept going forward. He's a true professional, no doubt. And we're glad he's okay. And speaking mm -hmm. of which, his son, Rand Paul, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him. I, I just hope Rand Paul gets just even a smidgen of the charisma that his father has. I hope that happens for him. Yeah, I'm glad Rand Paul is there. I know that he uh, is not, uh, you know, fulfilling everything that his father did, but I'm glad we have him there. It, it seems right. like he's, you know, one of the most sane people we have in the Congress at this point. Um, we may not agree with everything he, he does or says, but uh, he's one of the few people, or he certainly uh, is uh, drawing upon many of uh, the lessons he learned from his father and uh, is doing a lot of the right things. You know, he's challenged Dr. Fauci lately. He's doing a lot of good things there. So I'm glad that he's there to uh, hopefully uh, carry on his, his father's crusade against uh, uh, the, the powers that have inflicted so much harm on this country. No doubt, my friend. And by the way, we just pa passed the one hour mark, and I know you wanted uh, a little bit of a break uh, before we go on. And I know we still have just a few more things to go over, but mm -hmm. I'm sure that'll fill plenty of time. So I think we should perhaps go on a little break now. Okay. Uh, yeah, should, that sounds like a good idea. You know, um, I, th I always feel like do a little better if we take, if we do a long show, if we take a break in the middle, just to stretch the legs and, you know, um, I'll take a breather. So I'll rest the voice for a moment. Yeah, so I think that would be a good idea. Yeah. So uh, how long shall we tell the, the our live stream audience uh, we'll be gone? Uh, we'll be gone for at least um, six, seven minutes at the most. It, oh. That'd be a good enough okay. time for them to go to the restroom. I go to the kitchen, mm -hmm. you know, all that jazz. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, I'll put my, uh, I'll mute my microphone and, uh, I'll be back in, you know, uh, those six minutes, something like that. Uh, yeah. All right. My friend, okay. I will message you here in a moment. And when we return, round two is next. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Go for it, James. Yes. Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, you heard us correct. We are going to go on a little break. And when we return, round two is next. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. But yes, actually go to the bathroom if you need to take a bit of a piss. Now is the time to do so. And yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad Lilith has returned to moderate the chat room there. We've had lots of wild animals out there. Thank you so much, Lilith, for controlling the chat. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. 
Welcome back to the program. So glad you're still there. Now, of course, I have the guest, Mr. James Perla, patiently waiting. Let's bring him back in. James, how are you? Uh, good. Uh, thanks for the break. I feel we took a little more than six or seven minutes. <laughs> I think I think we deserved it. Okay. <laughs> I thought we deserved it. It was, it was going so well. And, of course, I'm glad you are back and feeling refreshed. I hope everyone is feeling much better from that break. And uh, during the break, I actually got a message wondering what the statistics were out here where I'm located. I'm actually out here in Southern California, for those that don't know, in a very small town called El Centro, California. And right now we have 11,781 cases, and there are 310 active cases currently, according to the Imperial County Public Health Department, and only 317 people have died. But those are still people, by the way, that didn't deserve to die. And of course, in the entire city of California, we're looking at, well, the last time I looked, it was about 802,818 confirmed cases, by the way, James. Yeah, those cases, uh, um, it, it seems that they're relying on, uh, the, these, uh, PCR tests. I don't know, uh, exactly how they're, they're, uh, formulating the stats in California, but I know for the most part, uh, they're looking on a positive PCR test as a case. Um, the death rates have plummeted as Dr. Paul, uh, pointed out, um, before he had this, uh, recent unfortunate incident, which I hope he'll be back on his Liberty report very soon. Right. But, um, Dr. Beta Stadler, who was a former head of the Institute of Immunology in Bern, Switzerland, I quote him in my book, and he says that all the PCR test is doing is showing a few fragments of DNA, which you may have encountered from this virus in the past. He says it does not mean you're active or you're infectious. And actually, the New York Times in their August 29th issue uh, said basically the same thing as Stadler. They said that up to 90% of the test may be meaningless and that the PCR test does not mean you are uh, infectious or a threat to other people. So the, these tests are, uh, and these statistics are starting to uh, really, um, they're having to backpedal. Uh, even the mainstream media is admitting the fallacies that are going on now. They've, they've tried to prop this thing up in order to continue the lockdowns is basically what they're trying to do. Um, which is no justification for at this point, but I always, I always, um, um, uh, put that with the asterisk that the death rates may climb back up based on the hints we'll be getting, especially from Bill Gates about this pandemic too. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about that. Yes. The experts, they definitely are warning of a coming surge of COVID-19 cases spread throughout, mm -hmm. uh, the states. We uh, are seeing cases. Uh, pop up around the world again. And of course, uh, Florida, they're opening up back again and they are seeing a meteoric rise in cases right now, yet again. But there was controversy about that. Um, you know, uh, uh, there was uh, Fox News covered this that uh, there were certain testing centers that uh, reported 100% positive. Um, and uh, this could not, it, it couldn't be that you had 100% uh, people positive. It appears that there's a uh, there's motivation for these these uh, positive reports. Uh, Ron Paul pointed this out himself, by the way, that in his own state of Texas, that um, there were uh, a tremendous re uh, number of reports of um, positive cases at, at um, hospitals. I quote him in my book. He, he talks about the fact that the four hospital directors had to hold a joint press conference to say that there was no COVID crisis in Texas. 
But Dr. Paul pointed out that because hospitals are rewarded if they re- report a COVID case, uh, um, you've probably seen um, the uh, interview with Dr. Scott Jensen. We talked about how um, hospitals are rewarded with, uh, if they have $39,000 for a ventilator and 13000 for a COVID case. And Dr. Paul points out that if you reward somebody, you get more of it. So that's right. There's a lot of, um, uh, it's problematic, these reports of, of, of this increase in cases. It seems like they are trying to keep the lockdown going with uh, hyperinflated stats. Well, we I mean, weren't ready. Some, uh, I mean, we yeah. weren't ready either, James, I, I would have to say. I'm sorry, say that again. We weren't ready at all. For this sort of but, scenario, uh, no, I, I don't know anybody in, in the alternative media who was expecting a uh, a medical based lockdown last year that that would be forthcoming. Now right. that if we look back at you know event two hundred one and the Crimson Contagion exercise right. and Netflix running this, this series called Pandemic, and uh, you know now there's been the revelation that uh, Congressman Bobby Rush who introduced the, the HR 6666, the Trace Act, the Contact Tracing Act, which was going to delegate $100 billion for contact tracing and, quote-unquote, other purposes. When do you give a billion of dollars for other purposes? What does that mean? You know, But it's been revealed now um, by um, uh, this Larry Doyle and John Moynihan, um, uh, who were uh, whistleblowers on, on the uh, the uh, testified before Congress on corruption in the uh, Clinton Foundation, that uh, Congressman uh, uh, Bobby Rush was in Rwanda last year, months before the Wuhan outbreak, meeting with representatives of the Gates Foundation to see who would get uh, lucrative con- uh, contact tracing contract. This before the before the outbreak even happened. So you and I may have not have been ready for. COVID, but it sounds like a lot of the people at the top were. Right. It seems like they were definitely ready. And uh, speaking of Bill Gates, he's done a lot of, he's done a lot of damage in terms of the vaccines that he's already put out there. Well, uh, you know, I, I do quote uh, Robert F. Kennedy, who's uh, getting a lot of res- respect these days. And uh, he's been on top of uh, Gates's work. And why don't I just uh, quote uh, a post that he had Sure. On uh, on on uh, the damage that uh, Bill Gates has done, you know. Of course, uh, Robert F. Kennedy is was a nep- is the nephew of uh, the assassinated President John F. Kennedy, as well as the son of the assassinated Senator Robert Kennedy. Um, but uh, here's what uh, he has to say about Bill Gates. He says, "Quote: Gates' obsession with vaccines seems fueled by a messianic conviction that he's ordained to save the world with technology and a godlike willingness to experiment with the lives of." lesser humans. Promising to eradicate polio with $1.2 billion, Gates took command of India's National Advisory Board and mandated 50 polio vaccines up from five for every child before the age of five. Indian doctors blamed the Gates campaign for a devastating vaccine straight polio epidemic that paralyzed 496,000 children. In 2017, the Indian government dialed back Gates' vaccine regimen and evicted Gates and his cronies from the NAB. Polio paralysis rates dropped precipitously. In 2010, the Gates Foundation funded a trial of GSKs as GlaxoSmithKline, experimental malaria vaccine killing 151 African infants and causing serious adverse effects, including paralysis, seizure, and febrile convulsions to 1,048 of the 5,049 children. In 2010, Gates committed $10 billion to the World Health Organization, promising to reduce population in part through new vaccines. 
2014, Kenya's Catholic Doctors Association accused the WHO of chemically sterilizing millions of unwilling Kenyan women with a phony tetanus vaccine campaign. Independent labs found the sterility formula in every vaccine tested. After denying the charges, WHO finally admitted it had been developed the sterility vaccines for over a decade. 2017 study showed that WHO's popular DTP vaccine is killing more Africans than the disease it intends to prevent. Vaccinated girls suffered 10 times the death rate of unvaccinated children. Gates and the WHO refused to recall the lethal vaccine which WHO forces upon millions of African children annually. Gates appears gleeful that the COVID-19 crisis will give him the opportunity to force his third world vaccine programs on American children and court Robert F. Kennedy. And uh, before I throw it back to you, um, here, Michael, I just wanted to mention that the sterility formula was uh, initially developed by the Rockefeller Foundation. It's uh, it's an anti-HCG um, formula. HCG is a hormone that permits a woman to ovulate, to produce eggs. And the Rockefeller Foundation was carrying that on, and the World Health Organization um, and Gates continued that work. And so because I, I just want to point out something here that the woman who took this this tetanus vaccine, I, I anybody who looked at this knew it was suspicious because no, normally in America, you only get a tetanus shot at once every 10 years. They were giving three shots to these Kenya women and they were focusing on women of childbearing age. It didn't make sense. That's why they sent this vaccine to uh, independent labs to test it. Now, I want to point out something very important here. These Gates World Health Organization vaccines had undisclosed ingredients. The women were not told that this anti-HCG, um, uh, this, this sterility formula was in them. The question then becomes, if we start taking a COVID vaccine that has been developed by one of Bill Gates's seven vaccine factories, that's how many says he says he's um, he's building, um, will there also be undisclosed ingredients in those? Um, we could go through Bill Gates's history. I have a whole chapter on him. I mean, that's just one. The, the quote from Robert F. Kennedy is just one. Uh, but he he's experiment with a lot of deep and dark stuff. Yes, and neither Bill nor Melinda have a license to even practice medicine, yet we have to listen to them in regards to medicine, which is kind of odd. Yes, and you'll notice that nobody in the mainstream ever asked Bill Gates, ever says to him, well, Bill, you don't have, you're not a doctor. You don't have any medical credentials. Um, how is it that you are qualified to tell the whole world how they should respond to COVID? You know, it's interesting to me that people like Dolores Cahill is a, a PhD immunologist, uh, a woman with a, a list of credentials that goes on for page after page after page. She's a full professor at, uh, at University College in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, but she's been, uh, uh, she's made her mark, uh, all over Europe uh, as a scientist. She's censored on YouTube, yet Bill Gates, who has no medical degree, no medical qualifications, he gets to say whatever he wants. You know, any, anybody, even if you're blue pilled, if you've got some logic, you should be able to look at this and say, that's not right. Oh, I agree with you. And as you were talking about Bill Gates, I was thinking about the syphilis study back in the day, 1932, the mm -hmm. Tuskegee. Uh, syphilis study. Mm, right. Yeah. And, and people still think the government doesn't do, uh, no harm, no foul to no one. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time. This, this goes back to what we were saying before, uh, when people said the government would never do that. To That's us. right. They've done it before with war and they've done it before with medical experiments. Could this be a medical experiment? I'd have to say so since no, uh, RNA or DNA vaccine has ever been approved before or ever been used on humans before. You'd have to call these, uh, you know, these Moderna and Novio vaccines that they're developing, 
uh, to, to alter our DNA as an experiment on the human race. And by the way, the Nuremberg Code says that uh, nobody can be subjected to a medical uh, experiment without the person's consent. And this certainly is an experiment when you realize that uh, none of these uh, products have ever uh, been used before on humans. In fact, uh, I just want to say something about Moderna. It's in my state. I, I live not that far from Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, where Moderna's headquarters are. They have never brought a single product to market. They have never produced one successful vaccine, and yet they are listed on the uh, White House's uh, list of the top final contenders for a COVID vaccine. Um, and it was quite interesting that uh, uh, one of the board of directors of of uh, Moderna, Monsef Slawi, um, was heavily invested in Moderna. He's divested himself of it, at least. But uh, he was selected to be the head of Operation Warp Speed at the White House. Um, I'm pretty concerned about Moderna and these other uh, people who are, are threatening to tamper with our, our DNA and introduce transhumanism through them. It's very clear that a very sinister agenda is underway here. Um, and we need to be um, not only vigilant, but waking up as, as many people as we can about what's happening. Because I really feel this is our, our kind of our last opportunity. We have a little window of our t- opportunity here to try to bring people out of the matrix. Right. And, you know, my feeling is that if there's enough resistance, you know, that's a great example set. Um, I, I remember uh, early in the pandemic uh, when uh, people in California were said they, they were told they can't go on the beaches. Well, the cops were guarding a beach in California. And uh, some woman stepped over the line and they tried to arrest her. And then the entire crowd went over the line and the police just gave up. We need that kind of response worldwide. We need people to say we're not going to comply. We're going to resist. And I think that if enough people did that, and I do believe, um, speaking from a, a spiritual perspective, that God wants us to do that because he does not want – God hates evil. He does not want evil to reign over this planet and over his creation. He's demonstrated that in the past, and he's, he would certainly uh, intend that now, that if enough resistance can be can be um, uh, attained, that just maybe we'll be fortunate, and they will go back – they'll call this thing off and go back to the drawing board and come up with a different plan. I'd like to see that happen, but um, I, I don't feel optimistic at this moment. But uh, I do uh, end my, my, my book with a chapter called Hope and Encouragement, where I point out that uh, not only does the Bible end with the Christ, not the Antichrist, but uh, I give many examples of religious leaders, policemen, doctors, political leaders, I, um, the demonstrations that have taken place across the planet. I try to give people some encouragement and show that, yeah, people are fighting back. You're not alone in this. It may feel like it at times, but there's many other people around the world who are awakening. Uh, there's sort of a great awakening taking place because they put their foot on the accelerator instead of boiling the frog. And this could backfire on them. No doubt. Now, let me talk to you for a moment here. Look, you're you're a pretty intelligent man. And when you see the cases are going up, you yourself are not a young man. And even if you were, you're you're not bulletproof. You're not immune to this virus. None, none of us are. Sure, the older generations are badly affected, but those that do survive, it certainly does a number to the lungs and the heart, apparently. Very much like the first responders on 9-11. Mm. Obviously, uh, yeah. Obviously, you don't want uh, to catch any any of this virus, this man-made virus. Uh, Correct, James. Well, I don't. But uh, it's interesting. You know, I've talked to doctors, and it seems that what distinguishes COVID from the regular flu is that COVID, with a small number of people, causes something 
um, well, it's called cytokine storm. It's an autoimmune reaction in the lungs. And this can be very deadly. Um, uh, what happens is the immune system begins to turn on itself and the lungs um, become hardened and um, uh, it, it, can be, it can cause a person to die within a few days. This was especially seen in the early days of the COVID outbreak. In fact, my wife had a cousin who died before the COVID outbreak. Um, she's only 29 out in California. Oh, wow. And, and she died in four days. She was perfectly healthy. Four days later, she was dead, and the diagnosis was pneumonia. Wow. I have to believe that was a COVID case. Did she vape now, by any chance? Uh, this I have no clue. We weren't that close to this person at all. It would be, um, be a good idea to find out because lots of people were dropping out here because of, quote, unquote, vaping. Uh, perhaps it was laced with something else. That that would be uh, something to definitely to explore. Thanks for for mentioning that. And there were Chinese, uh, yeah. These uh, making a note of that. Yeah, um, these vaping card cartridges that were being uh, distributed. A lot of them were coming from China, so they were like knockoff brands, and lots of people uh, died out here in California. Well, it reminds me back uh, when I was a hippie, uh, I'm talking about 1970, that the CIA was distributing um, uh, LSD. To, to the hippies, you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, uh, eventually, um, uh, um, the guy who was the, uh, the king of, uh, LSD, uh, Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary. He's actually, he's, he's on, uh, he did a video. He said that the CIA was behind every major aspect of the counter revolution of the 60s. Well, I could believe it. <laughs> I mean, you name it, they were behind it. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's quite possible that that was the case. The other thing that I'm a little suspicious of is, you know, these free flu shots. When did Big Pharma ever give you anything for freebies? Exactly. You know, they, exactly. they don't give up freebies, but they give free flu shots. Now, there's an interesting quote I have in my book from Robert F. Kennedy where he talks about how when the SARS, uh, epidemic or, or struck, when, when SARS struck, uh, a few years ago, they tried to develop a SARS vaccine, but it caused in the animals, they were doing it on ferrets because ferrets have a, a lungs that are, are comparable to humans more so than other animals. The ferrets got a, this big antibody response from the vaccine, but then when they were confronted with the actual virus, they got the cytokine storm. They went into an autoimmune reaction and died. And uh, I would love to see the stats on the people who, in, you know, honest uh, collection of statistics on people who had the cytokine storm from from COVID, whether or not they were how much you were vaccinated. Because, you know, my experience is that people who get the autoimmune response, the Lou Gehrig's disease, the Guillain-Barre syndrome, the other thing, autoimmune response, it could be from various poisons, but vaccines seem to be the, the primary suspect in these things. I'd like to see how many of those people who got the COVID uh, autoimmune response were people who had been overly vaccinated. Uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, uh, Dr. Dolores Cahill, Dr. Rashid Batar have been uh, talking about this possibility. Um, I am suspicious of that. So I want to stress again that COVID uh, was serious, especially in its early stages. It may still be afflicting people now, and we don't know what kind of variation we may see come to fall with this quote-unquote pandemic too. Um, but those those would be some of my responses to that. Understood. Now let's get back into uh, the conspiracy angle here for a moment. I believe this virus was bioengineered. Uh, do you feel that way, James? Well, I have a chapter. Uh, well, I have a se- the book is divided into five sections. My book, COVID-19, The Agenda to Come, Road Pilled, is divided into five sections. The third section, the middle section, is uh, called uh, Theories About the Nature of covid and first, I give the mainstream narrative, you know, the the bat soup in Wuhan and the sure. seafood market, all of that. 
And then I give the bioweapon theory. And there are a lot of people who believe in the bioweapon theory. That includes uh, Dr. Shiva Adulari, who has four degrees from MIT. It includes Dr. Francis Boyle, who uh, drafted the uh, American language for the bioweapons convention, signed it to law by Congress. Uh, it in- uh, includes uh, Dr. Um, Luc Montagnier, who won the Nobel Prize for discovering the, the uh, AIDS virus. Uh, it includes Dr. Batar, and there was even discussion in Nature magazine in 2015 about how uh, the NIH, which Dr. Fauci's uh, agency is a branch of, had um, ex- imposed a moratorium on biochemical weapons development, but, but they made an exception for the uh, Level 3 Bioweapons Lab at uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and they were working on SARS specimens taken from Fort Detrick, where we keep our biochemical weapons supplies. And at that um, Chapel Hill experiment was uh, Dr. Shenling Shi, who uh, was is the head of the Wuhan uh, Level Four Bioweapons Lab. Now she brought, uh, presumably, brought that technology back to Wuhan. And Newsweek brought this out that Dr. Fauci was continuing to approve millions of dollars in financing for the Wuhan lab right up to the time of the Wuhan epidemic. That's right. Now this is now now this doesn't mean that it was de- actually developed in Wuhan. It could have been another country because lots of militaries around the world have. Um, Biochemical weapons, and I, I should mention yes. that one of the things that's come out uh, in alt media was that in 2019, right before the Wuhan outbreak, they had something called the World of Military Games with military representatives from 110 countries. Now, it could have been any of those countries, but but we'd have to say that the Chapel Hill-Wuhan connection is at least suspect here. Yeah, I, I do believe that um, a bioweapon, that they've been working on bioweapons for years, and a bioweapon is certainly suspicious. And uh, uh, there were others besides the ones I mentioned. There was a, a, a group of nine scientists from from India. It would make who, sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they published a paper uh, that said that the changes in in, in uh, uh, you know, the SARS is very similar to COVID nineteen, but there are certain changes that said they could only come about um, not by chance but by manipulation. And, and Dr. Montagnier, the uh, uh, Nobel Prize winner, said that you could only make. Uh, COVID-19 in laboratories as it could not come about by natural mutation. Now, yeah, we're, we're, naturally, we're, the, the mainstream Bill Gates yeah. doctors disagree with that, right? But Yeah, well, but, how uh, else are you going to find HIV protein inserted into the virus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many things that are odd about uh, the, the way this virus is constructed. Um, and they were, they were working at Chapel Hill and Wuhan on gain of what they call gain of function. Gain that of is function, same, right. Making it more, more lethal and more uh, more able to uh, attach to human cells. So very bad stuff. It, it would make sense this was an incomplete virus the way it traveled around from the United States to Canada to China. Um, I'm led to believe due to probability that this was an incomplete virus. That's why... It acts the way it does. And furthermore, I have to say, perhaps it's not spread. Well, I'm sure it's spread in terms of, you know, aerosols and droplets. But, you know, I'm I'm even going further and thinking perhaps it's spread in another way that we aren't even aware of yet. Um, for example, remember, well, let's just say, remember the anthrax scare. Remember who was responsible for that? I don't say let's blame China exactly for for the uh, the CCP the the CCP virus as we like to dub it. I think we did have a hand in this creation as well, my friend. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, when you look at the attempt to build tensions with China, that it's quite possible that um, you know again look at those military games as a, as a possible way of spreading it. Very fishy. This was spread spread yeah. in China. 
in order to blame the Chinese, in order to create uh, world tensions uh, with, with China. But this is just hypothetical. You know, there are a lot of hypotheticals we're talking about, but I think that the hypotheticals sure. deserve, they, they merit consideration because we don't know for certain what happens. So I think that uh, like in a courtroom um, uh, where you're trying to resolve a, a, a murder case, you you need to look at the various possibilities. It's, it's the same way in science. You need to consider different possibilities, and that's what is so bad about YouTube censorship of anything that degrees, disagrees with the right. World Health Organization. You may have seen, by the way, that even Ron Paul's Liberty Report recently was censored by YouTube. Really? Uh, for, for Yeah. Um, it was not the entire report, but it was a particular episode they had where they were talking about COVID. But even Dr. Ron Paul is not immune to censorship by, by YouTube, as wow. are many other uh, eminent scientists like Knut Witkowski and, and, and Dr. Dolores Cahill. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, bioweapon is certainly a possibility. And of course, David Icke, who had millions of views with his London Real, uh, interview, talked about the possibility of 5G playing a role in, um, in, uh, COVID. But that we was such a, but I do have a chapter in my book on the 5G theory. And I quote people both for and against that because I'm trying to give voice to as many people as possible because I don't know the answers. Yeah, we don't know. That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know all the answers, but I think that we should be considering the possibilities in an effort to get to the truth about this. Well, James, if you told me the end times was going to require us being sequestered wearing our pajamas, I would have thought you were full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, here we are. It's pretty insane. Uh, in the year 2020, nothing is off the table. In other words. Yeah, well, there was a meme the other day on Twitter of a, it was a, a cow flying through the sky. And the guy said, you know, normally I would have asked questions, but since this is 2020, I just kept on driving. <laughs> that's know? perfect. I mean, uh, that's, yeah, I, that's the reality. I made, a meme, I, I made a meme myself where I said, um, you know, I sure missed the good old days. And they asked me, oh, you mean the good old days of leave it to beaver and father knows best and hula hoops and those days? I said, no, I mean the good old days of 2019. Yeah. Because that, that's how much change we're seeing. And who, who believed in 2019 that we would be, you know, standing six feet apart outside of grocery stores. That's right. And with, with masks on. I mean, who, who I like, I like to call this COVID BC, COVID before Christ, since it's much more powerful and much more known than Christ at this time. Like the Beatles, it's bigger than the Beatles, bigger than Christ. Uh, COVID nineteen uh, is here yeah, to well, stay. It's it's, it's 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 worldwide as global. I mean, it's taken uh, Australia and New Zealand over. It's uh, I even got an email. You know, I have friends who we were talking about going down to Argentina. That this would be a good place to become an expatriate in. Yeah, I, I got an email from a guy in Australia was trying to get a copy of my book and he said that uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry in argentina uh who said that uh in argentina you can't get books from abroad they won't let packages come in they won't let people go in you can't even travel to the next province there's been a blockade yeah 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 he said that there was a guy who his daughter was dying from cancer but he was turned away at the border of the next province he was trying to leave the country just to go to the next province in argentina that's rough so this is worldwide um, except for a few exceptions like Sweden and Belarus, you know, a few countries have resisted it. But um, it, it's amazing. Uh, I guess it you might say the powers of be of flexing their muscles and demonstrating just how much control they have they have acquired over the world's population, especially through the central banks. And that's one of the reasons why I believe that this virus was man-made and incomplete. The way it only affects a certain uh, a certain genetic makeup in that individual. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why Sweden has sort of been left uh, untainted by the virus. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Uh, I know that there has been evidence that they've worked on uh, developing viruses that uh, would affect certain 
people with certain genetic makeups. Sure, yeah. If you want to, to destroy certain populations. Population so control. I, I, I certainly consider that to be uh, on the table uh, amongst the considerations. Can't rule it out. And right now, as you know, there's a race right now for a vaccine. Early in the game of COVID, mm-hmm. I was told, I, I told the listeners uh, what was to come. And many laughed and called me crazy. And I don't hear anyone laughing now. You will definitely be required to take a vaccine in order to travel, in order to work. That will lead us to following directly in the footsteps of China with their creation of smart cities. And James, I know you agree with me. The fake of uh, the, excuse me, the facial recognition is already top notch out there. I've seen many videos online with people buying things and going places and uh, just, just showing your face. Uh, to that nice little scanner there. This is all coming to America without Eddie Murphy, my friend. <laughs> Love that. Well, um, yeah, I was talking to a podcast host, uh, you know, um, uh, I was actually having dinner with a guy who wasn't uh, on the air, but he told me they had a friend who was um, in China and uh, he was caught jaywalking, not by a policeman, but by a facial recognition. There scanner. you go. There you and, go. And, 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 the, and the fine for jaywalking was automatically deducted from his uh, digital uh, account. Um, it was all electronic. It was all digital. And it seems, again, this is China's like a beta test for America. And to tell you the truth, when Henry Kissinger brought Richard Nixon over to China in 1972, I already, I think this plan, this, this, there's a long-term plan that's, that's been undertaken here. Um, uh, China is, uh, is paving the way for a technocratic society, a world. I think so. And by the way, I just want to say I've, I've taken this time uh, to reevaluate myself and reinvent myself uh, mentally and, and physically. I took this time to reconsider what's important in life and what truly wasn't. I've been telling uh, anyone who listens that we pretty much passed the point of no return. A lot of businesses are not coming back. People who lost their jobs. Uh, I, I hope those people took some time to try and get another gig quick. None of it is coming back and we are near financial collapse and people, uh, people are going to wish we were back in 2008. Hell, some people are going to wish we were back in 1998. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah. Uh, you're quite right. Uh, the situation is unsustainable with tens of millions of people out of work here in America, plus many more abroad. Um, obviously, you know, paying unemployment is a short term solution. You cannot do it indefinitely. Well, for how the long? currency will collapse. The economy will collapse. And so, uh, Christine Lagarde was laughing about this economic reset that is supposed to come with at the World Economic Forum in January 2021. And the reason there was a video uh, I saw with excerpts from the World Economic Forum was Prince Philip and the head of the World Bank. And it's amazing how each person was talking about COVID as an opportunity. They kept using that word as an opportunity for a great financial reset. Well, what would that mean? It would mean a cashless society, uh, presumably. Right. Uh, where we would have social credit scores like in China and there'd be no real cash. You know, we stuck, at one time we had hard currency in terms of gold and silver and they softened that up by giving us paper money when President Roosevelt demanded everybody turn in their gold coins and in, um, 1933. And now it looks like, we're, uh, you know, of course, we've been progressively moving into a digital system with credit cards and debit cards. It sounds like um, they're going to uh, either chip us or uh, put in a digital tattoo. Now, when I first heard of digital tattoos, I thought that was a conspiracy theory. Sure, sure. You know? And then I found out that actually Rice School of Bioengineering is already implementing that. They're, they're, they're developing it. 
And in fact, let me give you the quote from Rice School of Bioengineering. Yeah, go for People it. People have heard me before, probably bored with this, but it's in my book, of course. Um, uh, here's what they say on their website, quote, Kevin McHugh, an assistant professor of bioengineering at Rice and a team from MIT report in a cover story in Science Translational Medicine on their development of a quantum dot tags that fluoresce with information after they're injected as part of a vaccination. The tags are incorporated in only some of the array of sugar-based microneedles on a patch. When the needles dissolve in about two minutes, they deliver the vaccine, leaving the pattern of tags just under the skin where they become something like a barcode tattoo. Instead of ink, this highly specific medical record consists of copper-based quantum dots embedded in biocompatible micron-scaled capsules. The near-infrared dye is invisible, but the pattern they set can be read and interpreted by a customized smartphone. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation came to us and said, hey, we have a real problem knowing who's been vaccinated, said McHugh, who's recruited to join Rice with funding for the Cancer Profession and Research Institute of Texas. Um, so you've got Rice School of Bioengineering saying they're developing a mark that will go on your hand. that will show you a vaccination record. And I also quote in, in my book um, another article on how in West Africa, they're now beta testing a system that includes not only your vaccination record, but your financial record. They work with MasterCard on this. Wow. Um, and an AA company called Trust Stamp. Uh, so your vaccination record and your medical, your financial record will be one, along with other things, uh, about your, your, you know, you've, you've heard of the digital ID and sure. the, yeah. the, the, uh, 2020 digital ID alliance, which has, um, um, you know, Microsoft's logo right on its welcome page. You know, you can see that they're, how they're work, work, working together. How lovely. A, uh, digital ID. It'll have all your information. And then, uh, it's interesting when you look at the, um, at the book of Revelation, and I guess some of your, from what you were saying, some of your past guests have talked about this. That's it right. It says that no one can buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And this is really as close as you can come to that. Now, no, in the past dec- decades and centuries, people have thought this is the Antichrist. They thought, oh, that Stalin's the Antichrist and so forth. But I've never seen anything close to the mark of the beast and what they're talking about now. Because right now, uh, in a lot of stores across America, you can't buy or sell without a mask. It's a small bump up. Uh, to have a, a mandated vaccine, uh, and uh, as we've seen from Rice University itself, uh, they're going to make this a, a, a digital tattoo that will be on you. Without that mark, you can see how they'll say, well, you can go into the store to buy something if you have you know, your vaccination record read by a smartphone. Man, that's awfully close to the mark of the beast. Uh, you know, um, it, it can't get much closer than that. So uh, we're really in, a, in, in an age that is approaching uh, – uh, the, the dimensions were spelled in the Book of Revolution, which is a Luciferian age for sure. That the Antichrist is not a good guy, and this is not for our welfare or for our benefit. It's, it's about control, about population reduction, and it also, of course, bears tremendous resemblance to uh, what George Orwell described in his book 1984, where we were, on, we were under surveillance state, and um, the entire world was being controlled by a totalitarian government, which changed information at will. So, um, yeah, all the warnings that have been in the past are seem like they're coming to, to fruition now. And certainly we need to, to wake people up as much as possible. That's right. And of course, I told you what that gentleman told me. His name is Luke Prophet, by the way. He'll return soon. You know, that guy told me all sorts of interesting things. He was telling me about how we're going to see numerous attempts, assassination attempts on the president. And we did see that. And, of course, he also mentioned uh, Jared Kushner being the Antichrist. I'm not quite sure if um, that's accurate or not, but that's his claim. But he's also someone who would agree with me 
inter- well, I, I wouldn't say agree with me, but agree with the other individuals out there who are ultra religious saying that, um, the end times and the, the revelation, revelations rather are all coming into play, especially with Trump making that uh, treaty with Israel. Right. And, you know, speaking of Krishner, um, his family made the largest real estate, real estate deal in history. They bought, uh, 666 Fifth Avenue, which is the headquarters of the, um, company that makes the RFID chips. Kind of an interesting coincidence. Of course, uh, Bobby Rush, the congressman who I mentioned, introduced the Contact Tracing Act. That's HR 6666. It's almost like they're putting it right in your face. And Krishner, I noticed this myself. I don't know if anybody else did, but, um, you know, there's a series about the Antichrist uh, called The Omen. It started with a Gregory Peck movie. That's right. And uh, Great film. Krishna was, Krishna was born in 1981, about the time, I forget whether it was uh, The Omen 2 or 3. I, uh, it's a long time since I made the meme. But about the time that that movie was released and that it, it shows him in the movie moving into the White House as chief, Kushner was born at the, about this, almost on the same date as that movie was released. It's kind of not the exact same date, but it's very close, like within Interesting. a month and a half. Yeah. So you just, a Kushner is, is this shadowy figure. You know, there's all these shadowy figures behind the president with, with Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt was Harry Hopkins with, with Wood Wilson. It was, it was Edward Mandel House and Kushner's always standing in the background smirking when it seemed, or at least it seemed for a while when, when Trump was making another foreign policy arrangement. Um, so, so I don't know that he would be the Antichrist. Um, that's probably, probably, you know, making these guesses about who the Antichrist is usually wind up in failure. In fact, I remember <laughs> this was back in the eighties and I, I was listening to a Christian radio station and somebody said that Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist uh, because Ronald Wilson <laughs> Reagan, you know, right. he gives his names at six letters. So yeah. there was six, six, six. I've heard I mean, that. People have come up with all kinds of theories about it, but you know, Krishner, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him on my, uh, List of angels. Probably not. Good angels. I, I would. Yeah, yes, exactly. And of course, for those that are just tuning in, you are listening to the voice of Mr. James Perloff. And we've been discussing COVID-19 and his book, COVID-19 and the agendas to come red pilled. For those that don't have it, please go to Amazon.com and check it out. And you got some pretty solid reviews here. I'm looking at your Amazon page right now, James. Uh, it's been doing well. Uh, like I said, I, I worked in this morning, noon, and night because I just felt that uh, there was nothing more critical to tell people about. Sure. Uh, why don't I just list off what I cover in the book? Yeah, you know, go ahead. Uh, yeah, go ahead. There's actually 27 chapters, but they're all short because I know that, you know, uh, I, I include myself in this. We, you know, we're in an era of videos and smartphones, and we don't have long attention spans. So the average chapter is right. six or seven pages long, but have chapters on, um, you know, the economic and health impact of the lockdown, the destruction of civil liberties, uh, a chapter on uh, experts telling why the lockdown was not necessary. I'm talking about medical scholars like uh, Sukrat Bhakti, the infectious disease specialist of from Germany and many others. I have a chapter on, on masks and social distancing. And the next section is on how they created the panic. And I, I have a, ch- a chapter on uh, putting the COVID-19 in perspective. You know, when I was a kid, uh, 1957, I got a flu shot for the Asian flu. And you know, the Asian flu was a lot more deadly than COVID. If you accept the inflated COVID numbers, it wiped out over a million uh, worldwide. And um, uh, there was no lockdown. There was no social distancing, no mask. And you can remember that million worldwide was much more significant because the world population back then was only 2.8 million compared to 8.5, well, over 8.5 well, 8. million now. James, I have to stop you for a moment there. Hold 
that thought and hold to where you are reading uh, that right now. We do have a call for you, I believe. A caller, what's going on? How are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good. I can't complain. Did you have a question for Mr. James Perloff? I do. I do. Yeah, uh, go Mr. ahead. Go Perloff, for it. Uh, excuse me if you've already covered this, uh, but your opinion, is this a, a U.S.-made virus or a China-made virus or something in between or other yeah, actually, Michael and I were talking about that before, and we said we don't know. We talked about uh, how Chapel Hill was uh, taking um, the SARS virus from Fort Detrick, our, our, uh, right. our biochemical weapons supply, and working on gain of function back in 2014, 2015. That's right. And at that uh, Chapel Hill lab was Dr. Zhengling Shi, who was the head of the uh, Wuhan Level 4 uh, bioweapons lab who apparently brought that technology back to Wuhan um, uh, and continued to be funded by Dr. Fauci's NIH with millions of U.S. dollars. It's an interesting thing. Are, were, were the U.S. working with the Chinese? We don't know the answer. And I'm, we mentioned the uh, military games with representatives from 110 countries that took place in Wuhan right before the outbreak. It could have come from any of those countries because lots of countries have biochemical weapons supplies. Right. Uh, we did talk about a number of scholars, Francis Boyle uh, and um, uh, Dr. Shiva Aguilari and others who believe that it is bioengineered uh, we quoted the uh, we referred to the Luc Montagnier quote him in the book, the Nobel Prize winner, who says it's definitely created in a lab. Uh, he was the discoverer of the AIDS virus. Um, but we don't know which country it is. In, in the book, we, we talk about different possibilities, and that's what Michael Deacon and uh, I were, were talking about before, was the possibilities uh, of it coming from um, various countries in, in China and U.S. seems suspect, but it could have been from any of these other uh, countries that are involved in biochemical you never, weapons. Yeah, you, never, you never know. Uh, in your opinion, um, I also too heard that it came out of Fort Detrick and was manipulated. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, this isn't backed by anything, but I kind of see it as a precursor to go to war with China. Do you see that as a possibility? Good question there. Uh, I know that, uh, Rick Wiles on his podcast was talking about the possibility of war with China. Um, and it seems like they're trying to create strains with, with China, uh, you know, support for Taiwan, um, the claims that the virus originated in China. You know, there was a, a Chinese scientist on Fox News with Tucker Carlson saying it was created in Wuhan. It seems like, um, we know wars have often been used in the past to rally support for countries around their governments. Um, the Nazis did uh, it too back in, um, back in the day mm -hmm. during the Nuremberg um, trials. Yeah. Yeah, when you're at war, people feel well, we have to use these foreign countries that we support our government. So it's, it's long been known that by politicians that a great way to gain support for the government is to have a war scenario. Right. I don't know how that would play out. I wouldn't want to speculate, but certainly tensions with China have been increasing. And um, I, I certainly think that's a possibility. I think it's going to happen, by the way, a caller and James. I think my I think my God. We, the, the way things are going right now with a potential civil war here in America and, of course, the mm -hmm. world conflict going on. I mean, we've got all the right ingredients for uh, world conflict, no doubt. I agree yeah, completely. I was, and we don't have the, the mic. I'm with, sorry. Uh, go ahead. With, excuse me. Yeah, the caller. Uh, and with China, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, with uh, Trump calling it, you know, the China virus, I'm wondering if certain heads of state or um, – Beings in the the dark government, so to speak, are prepping him to, uh, you know, 
launch the first strike, if you will, mm. or, or the second strike since uh, this was a, a first one from China or possibly to, you know, erase a debt, a massive debt that we have with China. Some, what is it, $21 trillion that will never be paid back. I mean, these. this is just a... a a battleground. It's a Trojan already. horse, yeah. no doubt. It is a Trojan horse, no doubt about it. That's a good point that I actually had not thought about. Uh, China does own a great deal of our national debt. And I suppose if you're in a war scenario, you could declare the debt null and void because we're at war, war this country now. That, that, that's a great point. Yeah, very good point All there, right, caller. Well, uh, Mr. Deacon, I uh, just want to say this is uh, Patrick from Campbell, California. Nice. I call him from time to time. Um, Always a pleasure to speak to you and your guests. You Thank you so much. Guest. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you again. Yeah, please call again. And by the way, are, how are things going on out there in your city? You know, things have died down a, a bit. Okay. Uh, they were kind of chaotic, you know, when this all happened. I'm sure around the, you know, the nation as, as it was. But, you know, we have these fires going on. Right. Um, all surrounding us. And, you know, you saw the orange sky just like I did. Sure. And, and that was. That was nuts. Pretty wild. Um, but for the for the most part, you know, you know, it's kind of died down. It, it had it, it it had its place, and then um, everybody's kind of you know, all right, what's next? You know, we're we're bored of this. What's next? <laughs> yes, it's you know, it, it's gotten a little election. bit stale, no doubt. And now the the yeah. debates are around the corner. And uh, caller, are you gonna exactly. vote? Who are you voting for? If you don't mind me asking, even though it's impolite to ask, so, but. No, it's not implied to that's not in my opinion. It's just you know, it's just a simple answer. Um in California, Mike, you and I votes do not matter, but exactly uh, it's gonna be a blue it's gonna be a blue state. You're preaching this to the choir. You know, till we die. Absolutely. And uh and in, in my opinion, left, right, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, when nine eleven happened, the right, you know, the Republicans were in office. And now, you know, with the left, you have Obama, Robert Mueller, uh, Robert Mueller, head of the FBI I mean, during the time. By the way, there is another another great point. So you know, you, you put a Republican in, you put a Democrat in. I, you know, I rather have an independent, in my opinion, uh, one that's for the people and only for the people. The independents don't have the, the independents don't have enough money. That's the problem. They don't have exactly. yeah. They don't they don't lie exactly. as good as the left or the right. right. They're not right. back. You gotta have money. you gotta have money. You gotta. You, and you gotta have some kind of dirt that they that they they own you. The, the that's secret right. government has to own you, or we're gonna expose this. I'm See, that's the reason why that that's the reason why I can't. I could never be politically affiliated with any party because I know they all lie. And Absolutely. I'm I'm part of the truth movement, like many people out there. Uh, you know how sick and tired I am of hearing people tell me, "Well, it's a it's na it's a national security uh, security reason why you don't get the truth on X Y and X Y and Z." And I think that's just complete bullshit. It's bullshit, absolute bullshit. You should be it, for you know, freedom and truth. By the way, I'm sorry to mute you there, caller, but you should all always be about freedom and truth and not being suppressed by uh, any of these higher entities out there, the government, the king's men. Uh, always be about the truth. Never never let anyone tell you any different. Uh, honesty is the best policy. Completely agree with you in all in all aspects there, Mike. Uh, Amen. You know, it's all about integrity. You know, That's if right. you don't have the integrity, you're, you're not man enough to speak the truth. Then, then you shouldn't be speaking. That's right. Honestly, if you don't exactly, if you don't stand for anything, yeah, then what the fuck are you doing? Nothing. That's exactly. right. Love this and, caller, you know, by the way. Jesus. But, um, so to go back to what you're saying, I'm not going to be voting, and I know that's 
looked at like that's American. Like, you're no, that's probably the most American thing you could do, caller. Well, I guess so. <laughs> so I'll be American, then, but you know, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I had you know better options to pick from here. I understood. But, you know, understood. Money wins the race. That's right. It's all about and, you know, it's all about that green. It really is, and it's disgusting. And so that's why I don't take part. And until our government gets completely overhauled and it and it faces up to uh, the the atrocities of nine eleven, the atrocities of JFK, and, and I can go on. But those are two major ones in my right. book. And you know, a third is Vietnam. And once they say, hey, you know, we were involved with this, obviously they won't, because there will be massive collapse. But you know, you can't trust the government for, to, for anything. You can't. So I, I, you know, I stay out of it. And, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. And there's nothing that we can do about it. They're going to do whatever they want. That's right. And that's and, what I say about people. They're going to do whatever the hell they want to do, no matter what you tell yeah. them, no matter who they are to you. People do whatever they goddamn please. That's right. And the the bigger your pocketbook is, the more play you have. And, and you can buy a way out of anything. But, you know, the common folk like you and I, Mike, we can't even get out, get out of a fucking speeding ticket. That's right. So, you know, it, Absolutely. It, it, it angers me, Mike. It really yeah, gets with me you going, on that you know, too. But. Don't worry. Love America. Dislike some of the um, government policies in America. Absolutely. And there's no there's no surprise why the world calls us the Great Satan. I agree with them. Well, it, we, we kind we of are like um, the United States of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. We, we start all these <laughs> yes. bullshit wars all over the fucking planet. We're instigators. And what we can have, I say? We are. We we are the biggest instigators, but we, we won't allow another country to build bases in, you know, countries around us. But we go out and build bases all over the fucking globe. That's we're, right. we're just a big bully. And, and you know, 9-11 was the big door for that. It and, was. You know, I don't know Mr. Perloff's opinion on that, but I mean, all this ties in together. COVID, love that. 9-11. This is all stepping stones. This is this generation's 9-11. I agree. You know, for, for the teenagers this year, the mid-20s, they haven't. They, they don't know 9-11. They weren't around. They weren't relevant enough in today's society to understand what happened there and what how much of a, a 540 that did to our way of life. That's right. And, it eroded you know, our civil liberties, for sure. For sure it did. And now COVID, whatever bullshit name they give it is the new normal and, the new that's, normal. It, and that's even more disgusting so we're riding this 9-11 train now we got this virus that we made up i, I mean 99 percent of me knows for sure our government was complicit with this virus no doubt about it but you know maybe they weren't but i highly highly suspect that they were caller you made my night anything else to add before i cut you loose no, no, sir. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. Um, you, I don't know how I stumbled across your show on YouTube, but I'm really happy I did. Um, it was about I think two year two two and a half years ago now that you've been rocking pretty steady on YouTube. That's right. Well, I appreciate and, and that. I, I had to say one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. That I, I want to say it was about a year ago that you had that sexy sounding lady on oh on your show. <laughs> uh, who you would you would talk to her from time to time. I mean, dude, that was uh that was something else that oh you know, my. Like, you know that this. was good i'm sure you know what i'm talking about right i believe i do okay good yeah i i, I want to say she was from florida or something <laughs> but i don't know that's right but uh um, you'll hear yeah, more she, of her later don't worry. Cool, uh, 
She was cool. Uh, yes. I wish you would call in uh, from time to time. We, we, uh, I'm sure the chat room misses her as well. She's lurking. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. All right. All right, okay, my Maybe friend. she's not from Florida. But uh, you take care of yourself you too. out there, Thank right? you. Thank you so much for the call. And we really do appreciate your call, me and uh, James here. Awesome, James. Um, glad you're on the show. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Great insights. Uh, you're my uh, co-guest tonight. That's right. <laughs> thank you, James. All right, brother. Good take night, care. Paul. Good night. And uh, there he goes. That was a great call there, uh, James. Uh, yeah, he recognizes the realities very clearly, uh, both locally and globally. That's right. And James, we are slightly coming to a close here. But before I do um, cut you loose here, I did want to ask you a few things. We do have the debates uh, coming up. Uh, your thoughts and opinions on uh, Donald J. Trump versus uh, Joe Biden. They are set to square off this Tuesday, September 29th. What's your take? Um I haven't looked at uh, the specific plans for these debates, but my feeling looking at Joe Biden, he's obviously in the, uh, you know, early onset dementia. He, um, he's been saying really inappropriate things. Sure. And I don't see, uh, you know, whatever you think of Trump, Trump would, would, uh, would clearly win. And, um, I think it would be very dismaying for, uh, any Democrats who, invested hope in Biden. The exosome tried to perform uh, spontaneously in a debate. He obviously could not hold his own just just in any normal conversation at this point. And obviously, if he, if he won the election, he wouldn't hold up as president. He'd have to be replaced. That means it would really be about Harris or whoever replaced her. I just want to mention something historically. Go yeah, go for it. Um, you know, that I think is comparable here. You know, Nelson Rockefeller, who uh, early on was, uh, you know, um, like his brother David, you know, one of the chief representatives of the New World Order, almost became president of the United States. And the way that happened was, uh, you know, Nixon's vice president was Spiro Agnew. Agnew was bumped away from the uh, vice presidency through an old scandal suddenly cropping up. And then Gerald Ford became the unelected vice president of the United States. Then Watergate took out Nixon. And now Gerald Ford was the unelected president. And he, he named Nelson Rockefeller, who hadn't gotten any votes as his vice president. Then Squicky Fromm and another assassin tried to take out Gerald Ford. And Nelson Rockefeller was a bullet away from becoming president of the United States without a single vote. I'm concerned that if the Democrats won, I'm not saying that they will, I, particular thing that they will but but if the democrats were to win um the election and harris would quickly become president who is it going to be her vice presidential pick some unelected individual like a nelson rockefeller mm. and then harris gets taken out of the picture for some reason and suddenly we've got some person we didn't even think about that for it all became president of the United states presiding over a new world order i wow. mean it's uh something to contemplate but if, if history is any measure we came awfully close to having a completely unelected president uh, in the early 1970s. Well, I think Biden is, Biden is going to have to come out swinging for the fences during this debate. He's going to have to throw the proverbial Hail Mary on this one, James. Uh, he's got his back against the wall. I, <laughs> I mean, don't think he could connect with his uh, – his, uh, his, uh, he's got to do something. I mean, receiver. I don't think he's got any chance of completing that pass. I mean, if he has I, to I get nasty, you know, the only way they can do it is to uh, put a stand in, or he's going to have a, I know, uh, uh, something in his ear that tells him what to say, or he's going to be reading off a teleprompter like Hillary was accused of doing during her debates. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't see how Biden could possibly hold up because he he just cannot hold his own without it without a teleprompter. He's got to insult the president somehow. I mean, he's really got to go after him, even if he has to go below the belt. I mean, I think he's well, got to really pull it up, pull up, pull it all out here. I mean, this is it. 
But will he remember to go below the belt? I mean, <laughs> that's will true. he even remember, you know, what was told, we was told five minutes earlier? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the only, the only way Biden is going to look good. If he just starts to attack uh, the president in every way, I mean, that's really going to be the only requirement is just go after him. Because if he well, doesn't, I mean, the president is just going to steamroll the guy. Right. Well, they say that the most successful uh, debate tactic or one of the most is to go on the attack, put your opponent on the defensive. So I would agree with you on that. I just don't know that Biden would remember his, his, his lines. His lines, even forget. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you never know. But of course, um, before we, re- we do wrap up here, I, I did want to get your opinion on this current uh, council culture that we live in today. We see how social media has really accelerated this trend. Um, okay. You got to, I'm sorry. Uh, you got to define, uh, what you mean by cancel culture for, for me. I'm well, sorry. in social media, we're seeing all sorts of, uh, hashtags with cancel this, cancel that. We're, we're seeing it all the time, constantly. I noticed many opinions are being completely shunned and free speech is, com- is basically mm, right. slowly becoming extinct. Uh, do you think a movie like, let's say, Blazing Saddles could be made today? Well, uh, Blazing Saddles was, uh, the correct movie in its own day. Um, you know, um, I, I think there's certain things in that movie that uh, would be unacceptable today. Right. Um, okay. For uh, a lot of movies of the past, that uh, I, I see movies all the time that I know that you, you couldn't make that movie in, in today's probably program. not. You're right. There, there's uh, a sensitivity that uh, disallows just just using the wrong pronoun to refer to someone as he or she now or mom and dad. You know, uh, we're in a in a, in a uh, amazing new normals that we never thought uh, we would see in, in, in our lifetimes. So yeah, um, the, the uh, tolerance for uh, disagreeing and tolerance for telling the truth is lower than ever before. Um, I, I witnessed it in college campuses and, and when I was young, but it's it's far more worse today. And um, yet, yeah, I still uh, am hopeful. You know, I, I, I see uh, a number of young people who, despite all the, the the matrix and all the attempts to to brainwash them have come through this and uh, seen the truth. Um, it's very encouraging. I have been on podcasts uh, hosted by young men in their twenties who are, are and had uh, you know uh, lunch with sat down with young people and and who are very awake to what's going on. So I am encouraged that uh, you know um, uh, the spirit of truth remains alive in people despite uh, every attempt by Satan to destroy it. Understood. Now, James. We've talked about your book, we talked about COVID, we talked about 9-11, we talked about your life. When it's all said and done, how would you like to be remembered, Mr. Perloff? Um, I don't know that that's important to me. Uh, I, I uh, you know, uh, my, my life right now is, ever since I read Gary Allen's book, Nandere Carl Conspiracy, has really been devoted to uncovering the truth. My feeling is to know the truth, you have to take away the lies, because the truth is, is concealed by lies. Um, that's a fact. Um, so, uh, I look on this as, you know, a, a great onion that we're trying to peel the layers off of. So that's what my life's work has been about, has been trying to bring people closer to the truth. And of course, it's been a learning curve for me. You know, when I, uh, joined the John Birch Society in the late 1970s, uh, a lot of things we didn't know. I didn't know about Zionism. You know, I didn't know about a lot of aspects of, uh, this that I know about today. I didn't know that when it was being a Christian, I didn't know the truth about, um, Darwinism. Uh, there are a lot of steps to go through to uh, understand the truth. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, to the best of my abilities and 
you know, I certainly had times in my life when I couldn't focus on writing due to family commitments, work right. commitments, and, and personal illness, things like that. Life. Uh, you can't always do, uh, you know, this, this um, summer I was basically free uh, to pursue this book nonstop, this book, uh, COVID-19 and the agendas to come, Red Pilled. Um, but there are other times in my life when I was so tied down with other things, I couldn't have done that. So I, I think... God, that uh, the timing occurred the way it did. But yeah, that's basically what my life has been about, is trying to show up with the truth, uh, not so much by telling them the truth, but by trying to take away the lies that the uh, the deep state has put in place uh, to conceal the truth. Love that. And of course, COVID-19 and the agendas to come red-pilled. You can find this book on Amazon.com. And once again, James, always a honor and pleasure to have you here on the program. Great discussion here tonight with you. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, you've got a, a tremendous uh, a view, viewpoint. You've got great uh, listeners, as demonstrated by by, uh, by Patrick. Um, and I appreciate your open-mindedness to, you know, even though you're not a religious person yourself, as, as you explained, that you're open to uh, hearing uh, the Christian outlook on, on things. So it's very much appreciated. And that's the way things should be. Uh, right. We should always be open. You know, Jesus, by the way, was that way. You know, he didn't shun people. He, he talked to prostitutes. He talked to, uh, to tax collectors. He talked to the people who others shunned, you know. Uh, he was quite open to sitting down with every person to um, explore what uh, was necessary for their lives. So uh, we should try to emulate uh, that kind of attitude. We should be um, like a, you know, the, an ideal courtroom or the prosecution and the defense both have a right to uh, s- present their case or like a, 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 a honest scientific experiment where uh, all, all points of view are, are expressed and heard and uh, let the jury decide. Uh, what the truth is. That's what we're trying to do. I think you and me is trying to appeal to the jury of the, uh, you know, American and worldwide public opinion as to what the truth is about COVID at this particular moment, but as well as 9-11 and other past events. Absolutely. I have the most greatest respect for you, James, in so many ways. Love the fact that you look back through history because that is the sure way to tell what's to come. Mm-hmm. Because history very, very repeats true. itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, people learn from experience in practical ways in their lives, but we also learn from ex- the experience of, uh, of, of history. And oh man, all you got to do is look at all the false flags and lies right. about the wars. And you can it's see right there. The pattern there, you know, it's so, it's so crystal clear. Once your eyes are open, then you're out of the matrix. I agree. Well, once again, thank you so much, James. I'm going to have to bring you back on again and uh, mm-hmm. we'll further discuss all these issues. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure talking to you and, and talking to our uh, Patrick. And uh, um, God bless uh, you and, and the listeners out there. Yes, sir. God bless you and uh, be safe out there. Thanks. Good night. Mahalo. Good night. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was Mr. James Perloff, a great guest, a great individual. And, of course, looking at the clock now, my goodness, time has flown by yet again, boys and girls. I'm afraid it's time to take it home. I do want to thank all of you out there in the chat room, those of you who will listen back on the replay on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, and Google Play. I have no idea who uses Google Play, but if that's you out there, hello. And of course, for those that are hardcore listeners of this program and want to help fund the program, the best way to do that is by going to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And yeah, that's right. That's exactly where you'll find bonus material. And I do want to thank all of you out there who did sign up for that. Those of you who joined the Patreon series, those of you who have given me feedback, I know a lot of you out there really enjoy the Patreon series, so 
I try to make a few of those episodes free for you guys out there, because I know not everyone can afford that. So that is why this show that you're listening to right now will always be free. But those Patreon shows, you do have to play. Uh, you do have to pay a very small amount. I mean, you could give me four or five dollars, even three dollars, even two dollars, maybe even one. I'm not quite sure. But whatever it is that you choose to um, donate, it's it's right there for you. So go ahead, patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And that is exactly where you'll find bonus content. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support as well. Love reading all the emails I get from all of you around the world. And uh, you guys smarten me up all the time. Really appreciate that. The international listeners got to give them their respect. And remember, it's now that time to optimize your health, start taking those pills, start boosting that immune system, the biological war is ahead. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, mahalo.